0: My assignment this morning is to welcome you. Welcome. (laughs) Will you stand with me for uh, the invocation, the call to worship and invocation? Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess or we do not have high priest. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Gracious Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you that he understands us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that he stands at your throne to pray for us. And so we approach you this morning with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace. For this morning is our time of need. Amen. Please sing.
1: A powerful reminder for us of what God has done for us in Christ. We are so glad that you're here in worship today. Welcome those of you joining us on the streaming broadcast as well. I want to invite you to take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here. Maybe we'll extend the time a little bit. Maybe find someone you don't know. Introduce yourself as we greet one another in the name of Christ. Just one thing I want to uh, remind you of is today we are collecting the money in the jars for our Matthew 8.20 initiative about uh, assisting refugees. If you brought yours or baskets in the back, if you didn't bring yours, we'll be collecting them over the next couple of weeks. And uh, thank you to everyone for the contributions you've made to help refugees here in America and other places of the world.
2: school children to sing a couple of the songs they've been working on together. can sing it with us, right?
0: you have been to church. Our Old Testament reading is from the first psalm. Both of our readings today are very familiar. If you have resolved to read the psalms through as many times as I have, you have read this one uh, several times. Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away." Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is the word of the Lord. Will you stand with me for the doxology as the ushers come to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Father, all that is good comes from you. All that we have to sustain our lives comes from you. You ask us to give a portion back, and we do this morning. We ask that you would bless it for the use of your kingdom. In thy name, amen. Amen.
1: in your bulletin? Let us pray together. Holy and merciful God, in your presence we confess our sinfulness, our shortcomings, and our offenses against you. You alone know how often we have sinned in wandering from your ways, in wasting your gifts, in forgetting your love. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Forgive our sins and help us to live in your light and walk in your ways for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. This morning, as we uh, spend some time in corporate prayer, we're going to uh, again do something we did a couple of weeks ago and invite those of you who would like to offer one or two sentence prayers. For us. If you're able to stand where you are just so others can hear, that would be helpful. But just an opportunity for us to pray about whatever may be burdening our hearts. You may be praying want we'll to pray about things that are in the prayer concerns in the bulletin. There may be other things happening, some of the tense situations of our world, perhaps just uh, some person or people that are burden, are burden on your heart this morning. But as we pray together, we'll take a moment of silence to prepare our hearts, and then I want to invite those of you who would like to offer prayers uh, as we pray together. We pray for your work, your kingdom around the world. Thank you for people who have given their lives in sacrifice so that others may know of you. Pray for Leah Doughty today and ask for your grace upon her as she moves to a new assignment with Wycliffe Bible Translators. We pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters who many face... Such great opposition and difficulties because of their faith, and we think of these men in Ethiopia who are facing a trial because they serve you. We pray that you would you would help them that, that they would be found innocent, that you would protect them, their families, and we pray that their witness for you would be clear throughout the entire process. We pray, Father, for uh, for the our this has been prayed for our nation for. Our, tense places of our world. We pray, Father, for your ongoing love and grace to refugees and people who are away from from uh, their homes because of violence or opposition, or war. We pray, Father, for your grace upon uh, the the ministry of your church, not only around the world, but around us. And we pray for the Standards United Methodist Church today, Pastor Joqua. We pray your grace would be upon this congregation, that they would know your, your mercy and they would bear witness to you in their community and beyond. And Father, for the needs in our lives, we pray your mercy and comfort upon all who are grieving today. And we pray for your healing power upon all who are struggling with issues related to uh, our frail human bodies. We pray for those who are struggling about the future, and decisions that are ahead of us. Lord, whatever our need, we know that you are with us. And we thank you for hearing our prayers today. We pray that you would help us to be agents of hope and healing, of love and restoration, of grace and truth in a world of such great need. We pray this through Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and the one who leaves us the model for prayer
2: Arise, my soul, arise, shake off thy guilty fears. The pleading sacrifice in my behalf appears. Before the throne my surety stands Before the throne my surety stands My name is written on His hands He ever lives above For me to intercede His all-redeemed love, his precious blood to plead, his blood atoned for all our race, his blood atoned for all our race, and sprinkles now the throne of grace. The father hears him pray, His dear anointed one, he cannot turn away the presence of his Son. His Spirit answers to the blood, his Spirit answers to the blood, and tells me I am born of God. My God is reconciled. His pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for His child. I can.
0: reading is from the gospel, one of Jesus' sermons. Will you stand with me as we read from Matthew chapter 7? Remain standing, following for the hymn during which children may be dismissed to go to children's church. Matthew 7. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the other person's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred, Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the word.
1: Please be seated. One of the universal truths that we live with is that wherever you find people, you will find struggles with sin. Go anywhere, any place, at any time, wherever there are people, there is the struggle with sin. Now, some people have, through Christ, uh, become uh, less, the struggle has become less of a burden, and there has been victory, and there has been freedom, but there is always a continual struggle with sin. It's a part of being human. And I know there have been people through the years who have said, "I've come to the place in my walk with Christ that I no longer struggle with sin," and I find that hard to believe because Jesus is tempted with sin, and and Jesus ha- has to wrestle with sin. And I haven't yet found anyone who is quite as perfect as Jesus. We struggle with sin. It, it's a, it's the it's the commonality of. Our human existence. And and Christ comes to, to give us freedom from that and to help us be forgiven of that and to overcome that. And as Jesus continues in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking to us in this passage we read this morning about as, as people who are disciples of Christ, as people who are citizens of God's kingdom, how do we help people struggling with sin? How do we influence people struggling with sin? How do we how do we respond to people who are struggling with sin? And that means people who are outside the walls of the church and people who are sitting right here this morning. I think Jesus begins this passage, this section, by talking about judging others because that is our natural human response to seeing sin in other people the first thing we do, almost by impulse, is we start judging people. And so Jesus says, begins the section by saying, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And Jesus is saying, people who are citizens of his kingdom, our first response is not judgment, not condemnation, not a spirit of, condescending attitude toward people. Because that is our natural inclination. We, we want to, to judge people. We want to categorize people. We, we want to fix people. And we, often our spirit is judgment, condemnation. And Jesus is saying, if you do that, you need to understand, however you judge people, that's how you're going to be judged. Whatever standard you set up to say this is how we're going to evaluate people, that's the standard that's going to be used with us about our own struggle with sin. Jesus goes on to to sort of flesh this out a little bit, and he talks about specks and logs. And he says, "Why do you why do you why do you point out the speck in that person's eye when you've got a log a plank sticking out of your own eye?" Jesus loves hyperbole. I don't think anyone's going to look in the mirror and see a big log sticking out of their eye. He's trying to help us remember, understand that we all struggle with sin. And, and our, our, our judgmental spirit, our condescending spirit, our, our spirit of condemnation on other people is inappropriate because we need to take care of our own sin first. First. Now, that doesn't mean that you cannot say anything about sin in other people until we've gotten rid of all the sin in our lives, because that were the case, nobody would say anything about anything. He's simply saying have a spirit not of arrogance, but of humility. Not a spirit of judgment, but a spirit of forgiveness. A spirit of grace. To remember your commonality that you struggle with sin just like everyone else does. And it may not be the same sin they struggle with. It might not, might not be to the extent that they struggle with it. But we all struggle with sin. And the minute we forget that is the minute we start judging people as Jesus condemns you. Now, hear me. He's not saying that, that we can't say that's wrong and that's right. And that's wrong and that's right. He's not saying we can't assess behavior. He's talking to us about what we do when we assess behavior. When we recognize sin in other people, how do we respond to that? How do we influence people to overcome it and to change? He's saying it's not through arrogance. It's through humility. It's, It's not through condemning people. It's through loving and forgiving people. And the root of that is remembering our commonality. My family told me, well, let me put it this way. About a month ago, I went through an is- uh, issue with kidney stone. It is amazing to me that something so small can stop you dead in your tracks. Some of you have experienced that, and you know what I'm talking about. And my family said, I cannot blog about it, and I can't send out tweets about it on Twitter, So, but I can talk about it in a sermon, so I'm going to talk about it a little bit today. Actually, they didn't give me permission to do that either, but I'm going to do it. <clears throat> The, the issue I had in dealing with this is I had to go up to the hospital and they were going to do a procedure to break it up, you know, and do that. And so they were going to put me under. And so from midnight, I couldn't eat or drink anything. And I didn't have to, I had to be at the hospital at 10 o'clock. So as the morning is going on, I am starting to get a massive migraine headache. I'm sure it's not eating and also stress, you know, just what's going to happen here. And as and I got to the hospital about 10 And they took me back, and I'm, you know, lying on the little stretcher thing. And 10 o'clock becomes 11 o'clock, and 12 o'clock, and 1 o'clock, and 2 o'clock, and I'm still lying there. And all the while, this migraine headache is getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm starting to get sick, you know. And the nurse is calling the doctor and saying, we really need to try to give him something because he's getting really sick. And the doctor wouldn't let me have anything. And I can remember as clearly as if it happened five minutes ago, lying there on that stretcher and thinking to myself... That doctor has never had a migraine headache before. I wish that doctor had had a migraine headache. Because he'd know what I'm going through. Now, let me clarify. I'd, I'd rather have a doctor who knows what they're doing and doesn't have migraines than a doctor who doesn't know what they're doing and has migraines. But I don't think those are necessarily the only two options, hopefully. So I'm, I'm lying there and, I, and, and I'm just in, miserable. And the thing is, they can't really do the procedure on me because I'm so sick. And finally, the doctor comes in and looks at me and says, whoa, we better do something about this. And he gave me some medicine, and in 15 minutes, I felt better, and I was ready to go. And and he just couldn't quite understand what I was experiencing because I'm guessing he had never experienced it. And sometimes as Christians, we give that impression to other people that because we don't struggle with the sin they're struggling with, we're very impatient with them. And we have expectations for people that they ought to be able to overcome that. They ought to be able to deal with that. They ought to be able to handle that. And the reason we say that is because we can handle it. We don't deal with that problem. What's the big deal? Why is it so difficult? And we forget that while our sin may not be the same, while our struggle may not be the same, we all struggle. And and forgetting that leads us to the kind of judgmental, condemning, condescending spirit that, quite frankly, doesn't help anyone want to encounter Jesus. I think this is something what Jesus is talking about in verse 6. This is one of those verses that you read and you think, boy, I kind of wish that wasn't in the Bible. I kind of wish Jesus hadn't said that, but he does. He says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Or don't give to dogs what's unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They'll trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Now, the audience that Jesus is addressing on the mountain that day are all Jews. And the Jews and the Gentiles did not get along with each other. They hated each other. And two of the, the slang terms that Jews would often use for Gentiles were dogs and pigs. And so Jesus is, in essence, saying, don't tell the Gentiles about me. That's one way to interpret it. And if that were really what Jesus meant, then that doesn't sound like Jesus. I think what Jesus is saying, as he says in other places, he came for the house of Israel. He came to to share what he to come and to redeem the house of Israel. But not just to redeem the house of Israel, but so that Israel would get its house in order... By, by opening the, their hearts to him and then become a witness to the Gentiles and the rest of the world. It's the same message that God gave to Abraham. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the rest of the world. It's the same message God gave to Israel. I'm going to call you out as my people so that the rest of the world can see what it looks like for people who follow Yahweh and they want to follow too. You bear witness to me and the rest of the world. And so for us, in the 21st century, I think Jesus is saying, there is a right and a wrong time and way to tell people about me. There is a right and wrong way to, to share the gospel, to, to address sin, to help people know what Christ has come, come to do. And it often is about relationships and it's about timing. God is interested in timing. Timing. Paul tells us in Galatians that at just the right time, God sent his son. And that means there were a whole lot of wrong times that God didn't send his son. I don't know exactly why that particular moment was the right time and all the other moments were the wrong time. But they are. God cares about timing. Timing is important. Sometimes people are not ready to hear what we want to say. Sometimes people are not at a place where they can understand what we're trying to say. And we need to think about timing. We need to think about relationships. And we earn the right to speak into people's lives. Do we have a relationship with people that they trust us, that the only reason we would ever say anything to them is because we love them? And they're important to us. And we want to see them experience the grace of God in their lives. Not because we have an agenda. And we're going we're gonna to shove Christ down their throats whether they like it or not. And we're going to tell them how wrong they are whether they like it or not. Because what ends up happening is what we, how we respond to other people's struggle with sin is about our agenda, not what is best for them. And that's different the motivation is different often what we do is different you have probably had the experience of of getting something in your eye eyelash or a piece of sawdust or something in your eye that, and and you you know you it's drive you crazy and and you do everything you can to get it out but you can't and it's starting to irritate your eye and it's starting to irritate you and somebody else watching this take place you you're in a public place and someone comes over and you don't even know and says, Hey, I, let me look at that. You having trouble? Yeah. You know, I can get that out for you. That's okay. Thank you. I don't know this person. I don't know anything about this person. I'm not going to have you sticking your finger in my eye. And, and they keep pushing you. Yes, I'll, I can get it out. I can see it right there. I'll get it for you. I, I know I can do it. I've done this before. Uh, let me do this. No, that's okay. I'm fine. I'll, I'll take care of it. And finally, they shove you to the ground. They call a couple other people over, and they hold you down, and they start getting, digging in your eye and getting that thing out of there. And you're kicking and screaming and yelling. And finally, they said, I got it. You're okay now. Good. See, wasn't that awesome? No, it wasn't awesome. I didn't want you to do that. And do you want to, now out of that, do you now want to develop a friendship with that person? No, you probably want to file charges against them in some form. I mean, granted, they, they got that thing out, but what really is the end result of it? Because the kingdom is about so much more, and people's relationship with God is about so much more than just getting to a speck in our eye. It's about so much more and so much deeper than that. It's about building relationship with God. And sometimes we are so intent on our agenda that we're going we're to eradicate sin from people even if it kills them. And we're going to tell them everything we want to say, whether they want to hear it or not, whether they're ready to hear it or not, because it's not about them, it's about us. And when you read the Gospels over and over again, you see Jesus dealing with people, and it's always about them, first and foremost. That's why he says different things to different people. That's why he makes different demands on different people, because every person is unique and every person can hear certain things. But the ultimate goal is that Jesus shares with them and Jesus interacts with them in a way that they are ready to hear. In a way that there is most conducive to them to understand what he's saying and to be open to him and to what he's saying. Someone said to me recently, I think about all my healthy relationships and I can't think of one of them that started with me thinking I'm going to fix that person. Healthy relationships don't start like that. Personal agendas start like that, but not healthy relationships. And I don't think Jesus, I don't think God approaches us that way either. Jesus doesn't say, for God so wanted to fix human beings that he gave his only son. For God so loved human beings that he sent his only son. And they're not the same thing. They don't come from the same motivation. Now, does God want to transform us and make us new? Certainly. That's the whole point. But it's about loving us, it's about coming to us, it's about coming in a way that we could understand and see and experience. It's about God being patient and compassionate and full of grace. And now, hear me, I'm not saying we ignore sin. That is not the point at all. John Stott, talking about this passage, says that to judge not doesn't mean it's not a requirement to deny or to be blind. It's a plea to be generous and to be gracious and to be compassionate and forgiving. To to care enough about people that we think about them first and how they will hear, how they can best hear and understand and grasp things. That's a lot harder. It's a lot more work, a lot more time. It's a lot riskier to do things that way. That's what fascinates me about the, the story that the Gospels tell us of the young man who comes to Jesus one day and says, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, obey these commandments. He says, I've done all that. He says, all right, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And the writer of the gospel says, the man went away sorrowful because he was very wealthy. And Jesus doesn't run after him. Jesus laments the fact that he makes that decision, but he lets it He lets him go because he's not ready for anything else. And sometimes it's it's a risk. We don't always get to say everything we want to say. We don't always get to do to people what everything we want to do. We don't always get to be, it doesn't always get to be about our agenda. But love is never about our agenda, it's about what's best for other people. We're always thinking about how can they best hear this, how can they best understand this, how can they best see this. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about with the golden rule you want others as you would have them do to you? When you're struggling with sin, how do you want people to respond to you? Do you want people to be condescending and arrogant and judgmental? Or do you want people to be compassionate and forgiving? And full of truth? I've been thinking about something lately. Why is it that whenever we talk about truth, when people say, you know, hey, I'm all about the truth, that means... What they, what they mean typically is uh, we can't be soft on sin and, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna poke our faces into everything and we're going to be condemning and we're going to be judgmental and we're going to tell people everything that we believe. That's what it means to speak the truth. And my question is, when did speaking the truth turn into that? How come speaking the truth is never about love? How come speaking the truth is never what's in the best interest of this person? It's not a denial of sin. It's not, a, it's not going soft on sin. It's simply responding to it the way Jesus does. And that's why Jesus says that golden rule really summarizes everything God writes in the Old Testament, everything that scriptures tell us. Because when you read through the scriptures over and over again, what you see underlying everything is love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love people. Care about people. Be compassionate to people. Think about people. John says in his epistle, if you say you love God, but you don't love people, if you're not sensitive to people, if you aren't thinking about the needs of people, then you don't really love God. I'm convinced that all of this comes back to our view of God. I'm actually coming to the conclusion that everything about how we view our lives and the world comes back to our view of God. If we view God as a taskmaster who can never be pleased, if we view God as a boss who keeps putting more and more unrealistic demands on us, if we view God as someone who is only interested in following the rules, then whenever we encounter sin, that's what we will do. We will only talk about rules and standards and judgment and condemnation because that's how we think about God. And that's what we think God is doing to us. But if we can see God as the one who created us because he loves us and wants relationship with us, if we can see God who's the, as the one who, not, who is so, takes sin so seriously that he sends his one and only son into this world for us? If we can see God as, as Jesus describes him here, as the one who loves to give good gifts to his children, then we begin to view the struggles that other people have in the same light is really being citizens of the kingdom the ultimate goal of being disciples of Jesus is to be like God is to be like Christ and this experience this scenario is no different so how do we get to that place how do we come to the place where where we begin to respond to people struggling with sin the way we see Jesus doing? How do we respond to, how do we influence people struggling with sin as we see God doing with his people through the ages? I think it comes back to the spiritual disciplines and primarily the discipline of prayer. Jesus says here, ask, seek, knock, pray. Now, there are scholars who see this particular passage as just a, as disconnected sayings of Jesus. That they are just sort of like Proverbs, where they just he just throws out this, throws out that, throws out that, throws out that, and there's really no connection to them at all. But I could not disagree more. I, I think they are all connected. I think Jesus is telling us that the way we begin to respond to people who are struggling with sin, like Christ, is to ask and seek and knock. And Jesus says, if we ask, we receive. If we seek, we find. If we knock, the door will be open to us. And often people take those words of Jesus and pull them out of context and think it's some magic formula. If I ask and seek and knock, then God has to give me what I want. I have done the formula. I've checked off the boxes. I've said all the right words. You have to give me what I want. And it makes a lot of people very nervous. But if you see it in the context of what Jesus is talking about here, It makes perfect sense. Because if our prayer is, God, help me to see you as you are. Help me to see myself as I am. Help me to see others as you see them. If that's our prayer, I guarantee you that is a prayer God will always answer. That's a prayer God will always answer. A prayer for us to see him as he is, for us to see ourselves as we are, and to see others as he does, is a prayer really for God to change our whole mindset. And that's a prayer God will always, always, always answer. We never have to doubt that for a second. He always wants to answer the prayer for us to be transformed into the image of Christ, which is really what that prayer is about. And the and the the uh, verbs used in that prayer—ask, to seek, to knock—are continuous action. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking over and over and over again because the truth of the matter is we never get to the end of that prayer. We never get to the place where we see God perfectly, we see ourselves perfectly, and we see others perfectly as God does. We never get to that place. And that's why it's always a legitimate, important, imperative prayer to pray all the time. And that's why I'd like to ask of us. What do we do with this? Let me make one suggestion. However long your daily prayer time is, one minute, five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, longer, however long your prayer time is, let me challenge you as I challenge myself to take a minute or two to add to your prayer time to pray that prayer. To pray that God would help you to understand more and more of who he is. To pray for God to help you see yourself as you really are. And to pray for you to have eyes to see others as God does. And what I find about that is that if we were to commit ourselves as a church to pray that prayer every day, God would answer that prayer. And that would mean not only am I seeing your sins different and responding to you differently, you're responding to me differently and responding to each other differently. And that creates an atmosphere, a spirit that looks like Jesus. And if we want to be a witness to the rest of the world, I can't think of anything better than for us to look like Jesus. And to treat each other, to respond to each other like Jesus, that enables us to respond to other people like Jesus. So that's my challenge to us this week. to Pray that prayer. God, help me to see you as you are. Help me to see myself as you see me. Help me to see others as you see them. Father, may that truly be our prayer. We know that's a prayer you will answer. We ask this through Christ. Amen.
2: Please stand as we sing. Brothers, let us come together Walking in the Spirit There's much to be done We will come reaching Out from our comforts And they will know us by our love Sisters, we were made for kindness we can pierce the darkness as he shines through us. We will come reaching with a song of He. Hy- You are hope for justice Stand firm in the truth now Set your hearts up.